When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Nosotros, the podcast that explores all things San Antonio, all things cultural, and all things political. I'm your host, Elaine Ayala. My guests today are two Michaels, Michael Haynes. She's a former curator at the Witte Museum who taught cultural anthropology, including courses on community celebrations at various universities, including including the University of the Incarnate Word. She's author of Dressing Up Debutantes, Pageantry, and Glitz in Texas. Then there's, of course, Michael Quintanilla, a.k.a. Mr. Fiesta. He's a retired journalist who wrote about fashion, pop culture, the red carpet, Fiesta, and life at the L.A. Times before coming home to San Antonio and the Express News. This show will take on several versions of San Antonio's Fiesta celebrations, the hundreds of events under the same umbrella from small neighborhood lawn parties to large-scale festivals and parades. It's set this year for April 20th to 30th, and I can almost smell the spilt beer. (laughs) Before we talk about the intricacies, quirks, and hard-learned know-how, of the season that is Fiesta, let's set the stage with some history, Michael Haynes. Tell us how Fiesta began and how that history continues to be controversial. So it starts in 1891 in the living room of a woman who lived downtown. Her, her husband was a successful businessman, and she has a group of, of women with her. And suppose Can I interject? Sure. They're white ladies. Oh, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That I'm sorry, that went without saying. I should have <laughs> been more specific. And <clears throat> supposedly they are sitting around talking about how the heroes of the Battle of San Jacinto, which of course was the concluding battle in the Texas Revolution against Mexico how the heroes, who were still alive at that point in 1891, even though the battle was in 1836, there were a few old ones left, that there had never been a parade in honor of them. There had been oratorical things and picnics in San Pedro Park, but they'd never had a parade. For whatever reason, the women all decided, oh, this was a wonderful idea. And there are various uh, suggestions as to why it became Battle of Flowers. Some said they knew of symbolic battles in Mexico. Someone mentioned Nice. But whatever the source was, it was an actual battle of throwing flowers at one another. Uh, The parade was made up of some floats, a lot of decorated carriages, bicycles, because bicycles had become very popular in the 1890s. And they went down, I guess they went down Broadway, I frankly have forgotten, and they split in half and they circled around one another in front of the Alamo. And that is where the 
symbolic flower battle took place. And supposedly, from some accounts I read, some people really got into throwing these poor flowers back and forth. And the this flower component stayed part of it for about five or six years. So uh, a newspaper story said that all of South Texas had been wiped clear of all the wildflowers because they'd all been picked to decorate the the floats and then to throw at bystanders and one another. So this parade is enormously successful. The women are very proud of it, and their husbands, the businessmen, say, aha, there is an opportunity for profit in this. Mm. So they immediately start adding additional events downtown. At one point, there was a trapeze thing that went on. There was a tightrope that went across Main Plaza. And so the businessmen are trying to pull people down to make money. The women are trying to keep some sort of focus on history because they want this to be a historical and patriotic event. Mm -hmm. Of course, the irony in all of this is that we are in San Antonio. We're not in Houston, which is where the battle took place. We're at the Alamo. So instead of honoring the heroes of the the successful heroes, we have this underlying thing of the martyred ones at the Alamo. And the Battle of Flowers and a couple of other organizations do keep trying to keep some sort of recognition of that. Um, the whole thing begins growing into a two- to three-day event. It, it called Spring Carnival. It just grows and grows, adding parades. There was a baby carriage parade. There were all kinds of short-lived parades. But the Battle of Flowers Parade was kept as the absolute corner part of the entire thing, the cornerstone of it. You now, can see the just you okay. can see the change in the name. Then it from Spring Carnival, which really mm -hmm. does just have resonance with these original Anglo German mm -hmm. San Antonians. Then it becomes the Fiesta de San Jacinto. And very early, even by the 1920s, you have social events that are tamaladas and so forth. And so you have a lot of Mexican culture being introduced into what is essentially, at the very beginning, a very, very Anglo event. And here's the, the part that I wanted for us to get into, too. Please feel free to interject, Michael Quintanilla is that um, the battle has, of course, um, the battle of at the Alamo mm -hmm. has um, been viewed in transformational ways. Right. And, uh, we, and there are lots of people, me included in some of my columns, we see it as a, um, as a symbol of white supremacy because what we were never taught in school and does not exist in textbook, history textbook of the time, 60s, 70s, 80s. Probably even now it's still mm. barely talked about. It's better. 
It's better. But you could not even find slavery in a Texas history book. And that was a cornerstone, again, using that word, of the right. revolution. The right. reason that um, immigrants, as they were called then, came from the American South to Texas, which is a republic, is because they wanted to preserve the, the southern slavery, that version of slavery. Um it was sort of wiped away. It was whitewashed. And um, and there are activists, social justice activists to this day, do not ever go to a fiesta event. So that is still with us. And I wonder if either mm. one of you want to um, want to take that one on or does my, my <laughs> statement stand? I think your statement stands, but Michael? I think that's a real shame. <laughs> True. Real, yeah. Because it, the beauty of Fiesta is that it was encompassed by everyone. Yes, it took time. It spread. The whole Alamo, the whole origin is lost. Nobody really knows about it. I and, agree. I think that now Alamo it's— Alamo is a separate—in my opinion, it is a separate issue, particularly now that the streets have closed and the parade's not going by in front of it anymore. That's right. The Alamo is a very contentious problem, and I absolutely agree with that. But to take—it's not part of Fiesta. Although Fiesta there is, is a, pro- a family there is a procession. Event. That still takes well, place. Yes. But have you ever been to it? A very solemn procession. It's very, it's solemn. very yes. solemn. And there's not... There aren't not, many people. There are not many people. I I have gone to... I've, I've gone to several. Every event. <laughs> and it's... The vast majority of San Antonians don't have a clue about it. Because yes. they grow up taking the bus, going to the parade, all of those individual family traditions, and that's what's fiesta to them. Yes, and I agree. So I, I, I wish the Alamo and its issues, which I think are extremely important, could be set aside from fiesta. Or divorced from fiesta. I'm not sure it's going to happen, but Michael. Well, well if you look at the, this year's calendar, may I? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, look at this. And it's teeny tiny type, <laughs> and those aren't the uh, those are the official events, right. the not, official the, events not, not the, the unofficial. not the unofficial, like all the right. other things that happen that are not official fiesta uh, sanctioned events, right? Which, um, so, but which think hope about, to become sanctioned? They want to, yeah. I know so many organizations right now. You have to have two, com- I think, two commissioners to attend your event, and then they will either approve it or say, you know, try again next year or something and like that. And why do they want to be part of it? Well, I think because because it's a party with a purpose, as they say, they want to be listed there because so many of these events are fundraisers for the organization, for for the the church, for the whatever. The fiesta is in is a huge income generator for this Yes, for this and town. the reason I bring this up is because this is how Fiesta has moved away, as you yeah, said earlier, exactly. from the Alamo. Yeah, right? it is so far away, and, uh-huh. and UTSA has its own. San Antonio A&M has its own. I mean, it's yeah. spread all over the city, and that's, that's what I think is lovely about that's Fiesta. That's the question I have for you, Michael, that um, every festival— uh, whether it's Fiesta or in Seattle or in the Bronx, uh, evolves and changes with time. For me, Fiesta has been wrapped around family memories similar That's right. to yeah. other annual 
holiday. So let's talk about what Fiesta has become and what it is for you, Mr. Fiesta. I agree with that. It is, as Michael has alluded to as well, it's about family and getting together and uh, with extended members and all of that. To me, it's always been a continuation of Easter. Uh, you can even reference the cascarones, the egg, the uh, which are, eggshell. Uh, which are uh, uh, a classic item during Easter celebrations. We broke them all yes. over our heads over the weekend. Yeah, and I remember as a kid doing that. Uh, during Easter, we would save these uh, empty eggshells for Easter and then cut the confetti, and I'd put glitter in them as well. Oh, <laughs> but, you know, yes, and, then, you and then, you know, we uh, they, they become almost a, uh, a fun symbol of uh, a fiesta, right. you know, uh, and everyone carries them around, and you have cascarone wars and offices and places like that, you know. But, yes, it's become... Like it's like a vacation here at home. I think Fiesta, especially for those of us or for families who can't afford uh, to travel to Hawaii or Europe or places like that, exotic places. So, you know, uh, you save your money, uh, you ride the bus, it's community. And because you are out there going to different events, you see not just the Mexican-American culture, but all kinds of cultures that are represented. You know, it is the the big blend and the big mix. I can remember as a child, my mom would save money for Fiesta. We would have like a Fiesta fund inside a tin can you know and uh, and this would be our this would be our bus fare and then this would be money f- to buy a drink and maybe a snack and of course and then go to the parade we never bought a ticket for a seat no. because we would sit on you know uh, on the edge of a street curb or yeah. something like that that's where you're supposed to sit exactly you know <laughs> with la gente with the people you know yeah, right. and and you could move around and that's what I remember about Fiesta is just the constant <laughs> moving around Isn't she beautiful? And she's gorgeous you know there you go right there you know it fiesta is for children and it brings out the child in us i i truly believe as well i've said that before when i'm at fiesta i feel like a kid again (laughs) you know that's why i wear these silly hats and these crazy costumes you know (laughs) years ago in a class at utsa i had a student come up to me afterwards and she was from san antonio and she said oh i am so sorry that i now know the origin of this and I felt so badly for her. But I said, but that's not what it is anymore. <laughs> and it truly has changed. Even the fact that they they dropped the De San Jacinto from the name. And it's Fiesta mm-hmm. San Antonio, mm-hmm. which says it all. And uh, let's talk a little bit about the importance of cultural celebrations in any society. I know you've studied this and, and taught this, but they're as, as essential as the coming of spring or the harvesting of of crops. That's right. And some of them have, uh, they do vary a bit in their characteristics, but you're absolutely right. Every society, the various earliest ones are going to have some sort of observation of the changing of the seasons. Um, and, of course, Mardi Gras with mm. Lent. That's right. That actually, uh, even though it is a, a Catholic, ostensibly, celebration, but it actually goes back, of course, pre-Christian, and it's the changing of the seasons. And now it's, and it's secular. the end of winter, and so you have that one last big celebration and big a lot of food to eat and then lent actually was that period before the spring crops 
came in and when you really had very little to eat. So, And then the other interesting thing for me as an anthropologist is if you look at community festivals, whether it be San Antonio's Fiesta or uh, the amazing George Washington birthday celebration in Laredo, Mm -hmm. which is the largest celebration of George's birthday in the United States, strangely enough. Texans go big, whatever (laughs) they do. And if you look at the changes through time, particularly one that has a long history like Fiesta starting in 1891, it reflects social, political economic changes that have occurred within that community. And that's what makes them interesting (laughs) to anthropologists. And it's also what is, to me, it's what is hopeful, that even something that can start out pretty elitist. If you look at royalty, (laughs) which Oh, God, let's talk about royalty. All right. (laughs) Could I add something about about, uh, anthropology and and terms of like now because we're talking about uh, traditions and culture and all that. I like the new traditions uh, and the new culture that that we can uh, uh, develop on our own, you know, which is I think is so important too. The, and the rituals that we have. I know people who get to, I mean, it is a ritual for when people get together for Fiesta and they cannot begin Fiesta unless they go to Market Square and have uh, a, 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 a lengua gordita, taco or something like that. A gordita. That's right. Yeah, and, and, and that's our kickoff. That's our ritual. So it's you're so, absolutely right? right. It's like these new rituals, these new customs. My sister and I get together and we we decorate her shoes. Aww. Show me your shoes, right? Yeah. So it's like things like that. Or you make a new hat. Now we have Absolutely. the hat social club, a fiesta, <laughs> where yeah. people who love to make hats get together and they bond and they talk yeah. and everyone's wearing a crazy fiesta hat. I mean, that to me is like also almost like religion, the right. religion of fiesta. Right. And that's why. <laughs> Fiesta is so loved is because it has changed so much and so many individuals all over the city have their own traditions. Right. Uh, I have a friend in Minneapolis. There's an aqua festival or some such in the, in the summer, and she said, nobody here wants to have anything to do with it. It's really just a very small group, and it's mm-hmm. sort of for tourists, and everybody else gets out of town. Everybody comes home. For fiesta. That's right. Or takes vacations yes. to yes. work every night of Niosa to, you know, fill beer cups. That's or right. think of the metal mania and those that have collected thousands of metals over yes. time. That's so right. much so that one of my little nephews, who's now in his 20s, when I was, um, you know, I, I was collecting a lot of metals then. And he, he said to me, he was three. When you die, (laughs) who's going to get your medals? As if it was a great uh, thing to leave behind for those that would follow. It was gold to him. (laughs) So um, uh, the hats um, uh, are part of it. The the Mexican, uh, the appropriation of Mexican um, dresses and Mexican guayaveras are also another thing that is just permeated yeah. fiesta mm-hmm. from from penners to the high right. end from from those you can get at Walmart yes. they're everywhere right. they are. you're absolutely right um, I, it's, I mean it's it's become fashion as well yes. right uh, fiesta fashion which I've been yes. asked about a lot like what is fiesta fashion well it's exactly yeah. that you know um, and and more 
more. It's it's just worrying. Even when you think about wearing a hot hue, a hot color, I think it's derivative derivative of ballet folklorical colors. That's you know, right. which is also you know. When we look behind at your amazing hat, <laughs> yes. one of many that you wear for fiesta. I mean, these are the colors, right? Yes. And so. Um, uh, uh, people get more elaborate all the time. Yes. And, and some of what is Fiesta fashion is just so functional because uh, they're loose cotton dresses or shirts. That's why. And get you through the holiday. Yeah, through the Guaya, whole. Uh, yeah, yeah, and Guayaberas are so wonderful because you don't have to tuck them in. April. You know, <laughs> so it all makes sense. Yeah. The first uh, time I ever realized the power of the metals, I was. My daughter and I, who at that point she was in she was in high school, I guess, and we had gone down to to watch the formation of of Saturday Night Parade, and we were down. Um, but oh, this is great! The wonderful restaurant with the tilt that used to be tilt. oh Liberty Bar, Liberty Bar, Liberty Bar. Yes. 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 Josephine, yes, because yes. of what they'd done to it. Uh, <laughs> we had been down there, and you could watch the people forming, and then we were walking back. And I don't even remember whether it was Antonio or Rafe or somebody or one of the aides, somebody with with medals. And she, who'd never done that much, you know, she'd go to Nios or whatever, but she went up to him and, sa- and he said, oh, do you want a, a medal? And so she went up to him and he said, how much do you want, want it? And she was a very, very pretty teenager. Oh, and, God. And, uh, he, and were we about to get a rated X story? And he said, well, you have to kneel. <gasps> and I couldn't believe that my daughter, who will kneel for no one, <laughs> sort of lowered herself <laughs> just a bit. Okay. So Let's that she could get about, that medal. I okay. couldn't believe it. She now denies it, but okay. I saw it. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. So there is that, too, right? There's the sort of caste system that developed around Fiesta that is still with us. I mean, when we look at the Cavaliers, there are some Mexican-American members, but it is by far the most white male organization. They're they're white (laughs) Mexican-Americans. I'm sorry. Well, I've seen a couple of slightly brown ones. But but you're right. um, um, It's a conservative group, I can say that. It's a certain socioeconomic level, and it's a certain brotherhood. Right. Um, Refeo, interestingly, uh, Refeo was developed by the LULAC organization, a civil rights organization, to count this it wasn't no tell me about that Ray Fayo <clears throat> it Lulac was a part of it but it was a West Side parish and it started in the 1930s it's a West Side parish yes were they celebrating to Fiesta de it. las Flores nothing. no it had was nothing it? to do with it oh they were just and, celebrating an ugly king and the whole thing of the ugly king, which of course has a long, long history in Europe. Uh, yeah, in Spain, of, yes. especially. <laughs> yes, exactly. Of the inversion of, of royalty, the, mm-hmm. there seems to have been very little of that connected with with the history of Rafael here. But it was to raise money for scholarships from the very beginning, and it was a businessman who could raise the most money from the very beginning. Does that also have roots in Europe? No. 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 Okay. This is American. This is 
Yes. <laughs> and from the very beginning, some Rafaos had Spanish surnames, some had Anglo surnames, mm. but it was always seen as representing the West Side. And so this goes along, but totally separate. We only from have Fiesta. Right. We only have King Antonio. And King, well, the whole thing of having royalty, that's a, an American okay, that's obsession so, with faux royalties. I mean, and, it's sort of sick, isn't and, it? And every, well, I think it's because we never had real royalty. Oh, Therefore, okay. we can play we at can, it. Yes. And it's the, you know, it's the fairy tale thing. But from the very beginning, Spring Carnival did have a king and queen, but they were sort of haphazardly selected and so forth. So King Antonio really starts in 1926 so he continues he's the only one with the women we've had the order of the alamo queen and that was started in 1909 but even by 1950 we started having more popular elected queens that's when miss fiesta was established then uh, queen of souls 1969 there at one point there were two uh, Chariata Queens. I think there's only one. There's one now. now. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> the Women's Club, which the Teen Queen, t- t- the, teen the Princess, queen sort of yeah. got put in there in a way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And <clears throat> excuse me. And of course, uh, Rayan de las Flores. And Miss San Antonio is now is part and of now, it too. Right, we have six official, what they call yeah. six official right. Fiesta Queens. Right. Uh, and then we have the Order of the Alamo uh, right. which is Queen, Queen, which comes later in the celebration. Right. Well, the new when, one. When, the right. new one, yes. Uh-huh. So, but here and we only had the one the king. The corner, the corner, yes. <laughs> so we only had the one king. Well, this goes along, but there's increasing discomfort with that. But it's not until the 1970s when we finally have a shift in political power and we get single-member districts, hmm. which is so important beginning to to share the political power and so at at the end of the 70s the man who who happened to be anglo who held the title of ray fail and he was a newscaster and he got on you know logan stewart logan stewart exactly and he got on the this must have been Yes, he was with KTSA. Yes, and he got on the radio every single morning saying, we have to have a more representative king for Fiesta. And so it was through his insistence that the Cavaliers and Lulac then met, and they then came to an agreement that Raphael could have a part in Fiesta, but he was never supposed to be as important. Well, oh my God. boy, did oh. that get thrown oh, out of the water. He couldn't be a blue blood, huh? <laughs> and, and, of course, now it cost. I think it probably cost as much money to be Raphael, outside of what he raises, sure. but yes. just the, all of the closing and the spending, the, yes. and the, spending the week in the hotel yes. and taking off from work. You have to be as wealthy to be Raphael as you do. <laughs> so be. this is the other yes. thing, is that I think that any other people from throughout the country, if they were magically transported to the middle of Fiesta, they would wonder, what the heck is going on? No? I don't think so, because look at it. 
even if you just look at Texas, there's the watermelon thump queen in Luling. In Floresville, right outside of San Antonio, you have the peanut, the queen, peanut queen and king. And in the parades, those flo- those trains look just as shiny, look just as uh, royal as anything from Order of the Alamo. And all over this country, Louisiana, the Midwest, they're full of queens. They tend to be farm queens or, you know, they're cattle queens. They're, in Louisiana, mm-hmm. there are possum queens. Oh I mean, goodness. we love having queens. Yeah. Now, if you're a dairy queen in the Midwest or upper state New York, you get to have your bust carved in butter that then is preserved at the state fair. And we don't do that. Wow. <laughs> okay. Heard that one. All right. Uh, you trumped me. <laughs> oh, don't use that word. Oh my God. But you know, even like you referenced the like Potite and these other mm-hmm. communities, and uh, they must their 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 royal garments must rival those of uh, uh, say uh, say the, the 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 duchesses of the Order of the Alamo. So it's very competitive. I I think. I'll tell you a little secret. One time we had at the Witty, we've had. At, in the past, there were some Order of the Alamo yes. gowns, particularly from the 40s or 50s, that were donated to us, even some from 60s and 70s, which we did not want to take in because we already had so many. And so they'd say, well, just take them, do anything you want with them. And so sometimes we cut them up to be able to use for touch and feel and so forth. But we had one that we removed miles of rhinestones and stones. I sold them to the one of the mothers from the Floresville Peanut Festival, and she <laughs> oh sold them on her daughters. Okay. She repurposed them. She repurposed That's them. That's wonderful. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, and no, they're not as expensive. Um, even the Buccaneer in Buccaneer in Days in Corpus uh-huh. Christi, and that court was absolutely based on San Antonio's coronation, uh, Order of the Alamo coronation. And theirs are, are pretty elaborate, but even so, they're not as oh, okay. expensive. But uh, from, I, I when want people to, look I want at to, them, you can't tell. Yeah. Um, both to comment on, you know, sometimes I think there's, it's taken a little bit too seriously by the corneation folks and certain royals who sort of then all of a sudden think they are. And so I've had some com- uh, comments about that through the years. Michael, you start. Well, you know, uh, I guess maybe they do have to take it seriously, you know, to give off that persona maybe uh, when they enter a room or a school. You know, it is fake royalty. However, uh, they they practice the wave. They practice how to walk in these garments. They're very heavy. And uh, and they assume the titles, right? We do have the visiting, uh, like with the Order of the Alamo, we have the visiting uh, duchesses, I believe, from out of the city. Maybe there might be one or two from out of state too. I'm not so sure about that. Uh, but a lot of money does go into it. And so I think you have to, you know, play the part, yeah. should well, I say. The most fascinating thing I found in studying coronation, of course, to begin with, I thought, oh, well, this is done to impress the peones on the street or to, you know, it's not. It is for each other. I did not believe it at first. But when They're outdoing ask, one another. They, when you ask, it's a, it's a family tradition. Yeah. And if you look at it, still, 
I don't know what percentage of people on the stage are descendants of those original members from 1909. There are outsiders that come, but you cannot just come into town with money and be accepted. You have to be go to grade school with the other girls and, oh and work your God. way in. And so it is showing that you re- your family respects this tradition. I know of grandmothers who insisted that the granddaughter be in it and would pay for the gown. And you are right about, and that's one of the ways I interpreted it, when you go through this elaborate coronation with all of this arcane knowledge, you, know, you have the theme, and then each of the duchesses has, has specific elements of that theme, mm-hmm. and you listen to all that, and you're... It's the you know in this this day and age with fashion, you wear things that are just loose. This is the only time that you have something that is absolutely custom fit. That's right. And how much are and these? How much are these families spending on a gown these days? This is something nobody wants to talk about. They always used to say that well, it was about the cost of a good car. Well, or double. It's a good car. probably higher than that now because the the materials themselves are much more expensive, uh, and there, it's a much wider variety. Everything used to be out of satin or velvet and rhinestones and and a few beads, and the workmanship is absolutely incredible. It's stunning, wow. and I think that's one of the reasons it continues because they are so gorgeous. And people, it's and people still want to see them. It's gorgeous. And still want yeah. to see them. That's why the exhibit at the Witty is so popular. Yes. Year after year. Yeah. Royalty again. That's why. Yeah. Yes. Um, <laughs> okay, we all have a dream. <laughs> well, I was the queen of the Order of the Chupacabra one time. Well, there you go. Was that for corneation? No. It. Oh, okay. Because <laughs> corneation. At the Cadillac Bar. Oh, okay. Well, that's a lovely court. Um, uh, that's very elite. I have a good friend who wants to be known as La Reina de Nada. <laughs> That's good. Um, That's good, right? (laughs) So let's wrap this up with uh, um, a a sort of a look toward this coming fiesta. Michael, you mentioned earlier this is probably the first post- COVID fiesta, and what's your prediction? I think it's going to be really big. We're going to have, I, I think I'm hearing from the organizers of it, there's so many events, as you saw, more than 100 for the nonprofit members. Uh, we're going to get big, I predict we'll get big crowds. People are eager to get together again, and we can. It seems we can't get together again. We had a big crowds last year for the parades, but I think this year it, it'll be larger. And I, I'm looking forward to all my regular events. Um, my most favorite is the night parade the flambeau yeah. parade me too. me too i just think first of all it's cooler and um and the lights and kids love it and um uh, i am missing the fact that it's on broadway where i had lots of connections so i could i could park a truck and and do a, and i can't do that um on this new route i'm looking out for a spot <laughs> and um we love those sort of family events uh, it's still a big deal in fact there's one person in um, our extended family who's said over the weekend you're the one that got me into fiesta with that night parade and that tailgate party and um and so um and now we buy tickets and here's the other 
epilogue here. Um, I've noticed a friend on Facebook recently said, um, I've got 10 tickets to the night parade, face value $20, mm-hmm. going for $100 <gasps> each. Yeah. <laughs> and, oh, you're and there were like 10 people immediately say, how many do you have? Yeah. Oh, but that's so wrong. That it is, is wrong, not but it is part the of the Fiesta uh, experience. Is, uh, <laughs> now, I still, I'm still hoping to see those uh, lawn chairs wrapped around right. uh, and chained yes. to a stop yes. sign because that's the real Fiesta. Yes. Right. And there will be people who just, you know, gather at parks behind all the bleachers and yeah. they'll still enjoy Fiesta from afar. So yeah. we can hope. Thank you so much hope. for joining me today. We could talk about Fiesta for hours, but yes. we're supposed to keep it to about 30 minutes and we're at we're at it. Thank you, Michael Thank you. Haynes and Thank Michael you, Quintanilla. Viva Thank Fiesta. You. Viva. Yes. <laughs>